Wardcast episode 83. Go, go, go. Go, 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 go. Get out of here. Go. You got to get out of here. I'm Dylan Ovento, and I'm joined by Will Blanton, Waypoint, and Kotaku's own <laughs> Will Blanton. Yeah. Burning up the charts. Pretty much official. With his game, Paisley Princess. Will, Will, now that you're famous, please uh, tell us tell us everything about Paisley Princess. Uh, Burning up itch.io. So I guess you just bump into stuff. <laughs> That is probably the most <laughs> apt description of that game. You bump into stuff and you accidentally get a crappier sword when you buy a nicer sword and then bump into a crappier sword. I buy my swords. Wait, what? Does it only equip the most recent sword? Yeah. So could you buy the best sword oh, and then yeah. accidentally equipped crap sword because yeah. you hadn't picked it up yet? Yep. That's messed up. Hey, it's... That's the way a dungeoneer goes, I guess. Yeah. Is is that could that even technically work in the game? Like, no, I, I think that's like pretty much game over. <laughs> no, but uh, is that technically possible in your game? Could you because you need gold in order to buy the weapons, but oh, you need yeah, to kill yeah. things. Good point. So you can't kill things if you don't have a weapon. Yeah, I guess so. So I guess you can't, but you can do it with the shield. You can get the crap shield after getting the. Because you don't technically need a shield in order Which to start is, earning gold. There's some strategy to that because the attack order is based off your defense. The lowest defense attacks first. Okay. So. This is good. Yeah. I need I need this information. Pro strats. When uh, Nick and Joe were quizzing me about it, it's like so. It's like what's the what's the mechanics behind the the attack? It was like well, I think it's just a comparison of a of an attack power versus a defense power. I didn't know your defense also acted basically as your your yeah. speed, your turn speed. Yeah. How did you work the? Because uh, when you bump into stuff, the, there's a little squash and stretch with the sprites. Am I right? Uh, no. Okay. Do it's they just, just shake? Yeah, they just okay. They just like when you bump into something, you and the thing both mo- are moved up a few pixels, and then the. Every time, whenever the game's running, it's just always putting you where you're supposed to be. So if you get bumped up, you just automatically go back. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. So you don't even need to move it up and down. You just move it up and then it recorrects right. to and down. You fools are tricked every time. Oh. <laughs> okay. I guess because it, it's moving so fast, I just assumed there was like a squash and stretch thing. I was like, wait, yeah. I think you can't do that in Pico 8. Oh, uh, well, so, okay. So what's interesting is also like I use um, sprites in when I'm making the maps to as, as basically like I'm using the map maker as like a map editor. And so instead of like hard coding values in, I just like be like, I'm going to use the King Sprite, put it on the map here. And then when the game runs, it's like, Oh, the King Sprites here. So I'll add the King object. Ah, so uh, sprites and kind of like the logic objects are two distinct things. I mean, they can Pico be, eight. I mean, it's really up to you. Like if I, if I was like super smart and cool, like it would probably be something else. But I was just like, oh, I gotta put these in here. Um, so what's interesting about that is basically you have like the map down, and so like if you were to just see the map without any of the sprites on top, you would see that the king is already there on the map. 
but not interactable. But, right. And then it adds the king object on top of that. Jeez. <laughs> Don't <laughs> shake the mic. <laughs> and so like when you bump into the king, the king object Or when you bump into the mic. Up. Yeah. When I bump <laughs> into the mic, the mic moves up, but the map already has the mic image there. So it looks like he's like growing, but it's just because there's another sprite underneath of him. Oh, okay. But the enemies, so, since I, I wanted the enemies to be able to move around and you can't just like leave behind an enemy, so I used a blank sprite placing after the enemy. And I saw you doing that because you basically are making shadows right. of all the enemy sprites when you were putting stuff down. Yep. And then I made them all black just so the finished product looks like there's not this sh- weird dark blue form where an animal used to be. Make the floor black, you mean? Yeah. Okay. Interessante. That's how the sausage is made, Ah, so to speak. Magic is ruined. (laughs) Did you hear that, fans? Yeah, and that's also why all the floors are black. (laughs) (laughs) So, tell me about Ludumdare for you. Ludumdare 38. How'd it go? It went pretty well. I mean, like, it was fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was like I overworked myself. I was going to say as usual, but that's not really true. I don't really ever mark myself that much. Not even with Redshift, Blue Shift? No, that was like the easiest ever. Like, I was done with the game day one. Well, I remember seeing you playtesting it with Andy yeah. a lot on like Sunday. Yeah. I was like, oh, God. Oh, God. We're such, we're such fools. We can't, <laughs> we need to make our game in one day, not two days. This is all a lie. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was like the secret to that one it was just like I was already done. But um, <laughs> how to win Ludum Dari? Come in with a complete game. <laughs> but like uh, a lot of the times, like, so I've tried to make RPGs before, and then and, Dave admonishes you. Yeah, and so this time I overworked, and the the product was not very complete. You know, like there's no interesting mechanics or anything. I think, I think Daniel Riendo will disagree with you on that point <laughs> well it's just like a cute game so it's still fun to play right um and it's complete in the sense that like there's a finish to it yeah the game never like ends like but there's like an ending to the story right there's also no title screen that's like i was so disappointed mistake number one you could probably make a dope ass title screen for paisley princess i know no one you oh, man what a mistake that's a huge thing with Ludum Derek. So, like, I feel like the a big thing with making an impressive jam game is making your game just look like it's done. Yeah, it looks like a game. Yeah. Yeah. So, it doesn't matter how, like, crappy you are at mechanics or making the theme make any sense or art. You just have to make the game look like it's... It's like a confidence thing, maybe. Yeah. Like, you know how, like, people are like, if you want to get a girl, just start confident. Okay, Kermit, yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> I always go to Kermit the Frog for my dating advice. Right. So, like, it's the same thing where it's like, if you want to make a game that feels like a game, just make your game confident. <laughs> Swagger. Yeah. You're, you're, I always like your tile screens. Like, I like the Redshift Blue Shift one, especially the way it fades in because you had all the, you had yeah. the, what was it, the yellow screen and then faded in using diamonds. Yeah. He's cut away. That was really cool. <laughs> your, your Twomp Tower one. Like the rotating, like the yeah, the checkerboard screen, um, Mega Man Two callback, mm-hmm. and then oh, I thought it was Mario Brothers Three, because that's what the floor is. Oh yeah, but and then the 
swaying logo. Mm. That was cool. I always try to do that. But mine's just like static frame, bantam. Also, here are the controls. <laughs> yeah. I never bothered screen. with I I, I I like I don't think I put any of the controls on for this one either. I feel like that's another way you can be more confident in your game. It's just be like, you figure it out. Yeah. Which some people hate, but it's it just like even if your game is just like running and jumping and shooting or something, that's already like a paragraph worth of controllers controls to like explain mm-hmm. and so people just look at it and they're like oh okay let's read it but if you just like let them figure it out and i mean it's not that difficult to figure out right because when i play lumdari games i'm like all right movements either wazd right or the arrows yeah and nobody reads anyway yeah and then okay the interaction is obviously going to be either either one of the control buttons one of the shift buttons x y or z or i mean x or z or c or c or spacebar like yeah. that's basically you know having played enough computer games you know those are the common mappings yeah yeah games yeah. are easy yeah games games super easy do one in a day according to will blanton <laughs> you gotta back of the box i did my game in a day and you, so can you <laughs> pay for my you seminar can't make your game in a day what's even the point join my seminar <laughs> my webinar <laughs> Yeah, how about you? How was Loom Dare for you? You cu- you kind of already covered it. I yeah, guess. It, it was fun. It was um, and I've I never got your reaction to this yet, but I keep saying how like making this game has now opened my eyes to how I can make games like my inspiration, Will Blanton. <laughs> yeah, because uh, you know I would get super depressed <laughs> for lack of a better word in previous game jams were like this game sucks i suck everything sucks look at will's game will's game is perfect and i suck i was talking about that with david kind of the other day about how like i feel like every time i put my game up people are like great will's going but i feel like uh like david was i was just like i don't i don't feel like i'm the best at anything in the group like there's artists that are better than me Pretty much everybody's better at programming than me, except for Tyler. <laughs> we have <laughs> that joke's not gonna. That joke's not gonna play. You're gonna have to explain the joke, uh, and therefore sound like an asshole. Well, it's summed up at one one time at a jam. David was helping Tyler on the one side of this partition, and everybody else is on the other side of the partition. We couldn't really hear what they were talking about, but David just exclaims from behind the wall. How do you not know what a function is, Tyler? <laughs> Perfect. But like, you know, that's just how Tyler works. Like he he just throw things at the wall and then whatever sticks sticks and he runs with it. And, and I mean, it works. I mean, it sure, works like I mean, incredibly well. And I mean, and we and we we help him. Like, I mean, and he you know says thank you. Like he gives us special thanks on like his itch page for like his last Lumdari game. But it'll be like he'll get like ninety percent of the way there. And be like, I don't know how rotation works in Unity. I'm like, well, it's, it's you call this transform function and, and this. It's like, oh, cool, it works now. I'm like, awesome. Yeah. God damn it, I wish I could just do that. <laughs> yeah. I, my, one of my favorite things about Tyler's games is like seeing how he first approaches it, and then like Saturday, he's kind of got something going, but it's like really rough. And then like Sunday, I get busy, and then I don't see his game until the end, and it's just like, what? <laughs> How how did how did I think like you were saying before? It's like it's all about confidence. I think his water effects and all like the right. the plankton and algae like floating in the water adds so much to his game. Yeah, super cool. 
Yeah, I don't think I'm the best at anything either in the group. I mean, like, it's... I just show up and I'm like, guys will come to the podcast. <laughs> Talk about games. I mean, but that's cool. I, I, I really like the, the dynamics of our group. I do, too. I think it works really well. And then Moman's, like, off in some kind of weird genius land or something. I don't know what his deal is. That's why I like talking to Moman and Sam, because they're the most technically yeah. knowledgeable especially on the podcast and then kirk is like super smart when it comes to actual game stuff that's crazy we've got some some heavy hitters heavy hitters in the rva oh yeah in the 804 (laughs) man sam's ludum dare game yeah Woo! yeah both of you featured on on waypoint oh yeah you motherfuckers did they reach out (laughs) to you about that no they're just like yeah you just found out through the grapevine yeah, I mean, I, I know, I know. Daniel Rando tweeted yeah, about it. Yeah, they you. usually tag us on Twitter. I guess mm-hmm. very kind of them. Yeah. Do you see any sort of influx? Yeah, from I mean, that? well, so it was pretty interesting because in my mind, like, I don't really keep up with like what websites are and which are good. What or are not. websites? Yeah, like I don't, I don't go on the internet anymore. Are you kidding me? And so. um uploaded my game via carrier pigeon because like i always like i don't know maybe it's like my view of things like kotaku is cool but like i don't really go to kotaku anymore i don't really go anywhere but like in my mind kotaku is like oh that's old school and then like uh you go to kotaku for like the eclectic stuff right and then waypoint is like the big new yeah boy the up on the and block. comer but like baseball cap backwards 10 times the traffic from kotaku than I did from Waypoint. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So I, I, I didn't really understand that. That could be a, a ton of things. It could be, like you said, like how old Kotaku has been, how long they've been around. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that person who, I forget their name, I'm sorry, um, who made the Kotaku post is, I think they do like a weekly right, focus right. on so indie like games. Feature or something. So people might be paying more attention to that. Right. I kind of think Waypoint site isn't structured well for individual posts. Yeah. Because it's kind of like this cascading, like there's one hero image, which is like the main article. Mm-hmm. And then there's a bunch of just a, a consistently sized grid of like four columns. And that just continues until you hit the next page. And then that's just four, four columns of the grid right. continuing, continuing. Yeah. And depending on how many people they have on staff. That thing could get rotated through so many times. <laughs> so, like, I saw it. I saw your post, and and then I went back later that day, and I think it was already off the, the front page. Uh-huh. So, like, I don't know if they're using any sort of algorithm or if it's just a straight timeline. Right. Because I know, well, I don't know, but I'm assuming Polygon has a form of an algorithm because sometimes there'll be a post that will be the largest hero image because now they have that huge one that's like all these different size squares uh-huh. on their homepage, and then and then there's a list after that. And sometimes you'll see a post within the span of a day jump between all those, mm. and sometimes change headlines, which I always think is kind of weird and fascinating when news articles change their headlines, right? Because I think they're A/B testing them, right, for different people, and then just sticking with the one that works better or something. I think also Waypoint is more like I feel like Kotaku is more geared towards people interacting with like the elements of the story as well as the story and waypoint is just like for digesting information. Yeah. The most obvious 
example of that is waypoint doesn't have comments right exactly so it's just and it doesn't like tell you how like if the post is hot or hot or not <laughs> or if they're like like uh kotaku shows how many people have seen the post and all this stuff so that's interesting cool have you gotten outreach from people that have played it be like hey saw your game on kotaku yeah and super cool a little bit in the Ludum Dare comments. I've seen that. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Can people who comment on the Ludum Dare page, can they be non-developers? Or yeah. Non-participants? Can, yeah. If you if you didn't make a game, you can still comment. You just can't, you just can't rate. Vote. Yeah. Cool. So just keep making things that catch Dan Orando's eye Ooh. just for the rest of your life. Yeah, that's not. Keep no being, pressure there. <laughs> no pressure there. I thought it was cool because, I mean, we talked about how you're a big fan of hers before. Yeah, yeah. And then that kind of came full circle around. I was like, oh, awesome. That made me happy pretty, yeah. I was like, oh, senpai. Good good feels, (laughs) senpai. (laughs) I'm really hoping, I don't don't think she will, but I was really hoping that she'll like talk about it on a podcast because like I don't really read her stuff that often. I don't either. But uh, she's got such a nice, friendly, happy voice. Good to hear. Yeah. 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 We'll see. I I haven't listened to like the last two Waypoint episodes, so. Anything else about Ludum Dare? Any peaks or valleys? Any loves or hates? Sam's game. It's a good game. Yeah, I think that's my favorite one this good time. Good game. I was hoping you'd both be on. Sam Sam couldn't make it because he's in Leesburg. Leesburg. Is that a city? Which is north of Washington, D.C. Oh. Isn't that crazy? Wait, it's in Virginia? Yeah. Oh. You know, Virginia goes farther around. north than D.C. I know that. It goes that. farther west than West Virginia. Oh. Farther south than North Carolina, if you can believe that. That's not true. That yeah. <laughs> yeah. West Virginia needs a new name. It's ridiculous. Old Virginia. I think it's newer. Worst Virginia. <laughs> there you go. Well, I don't know. I've driven like so like last time I went through there, I was like, oh great, West Virginia. Time to head through West Virginia. <laughs> And then, like, as soon as I crossed the state border, I was like, oh, wow, this is really beautiful. This is... Uh, oh, yeah. They cut their grass on the highways and stuff, and mm-hmm. everything's really well-maintained. Winding. Just... And you get back to Virginia, and just like, oh, what a crap hole. <laughs> so, I don't know. Maybe West Virginia is not the worst Virginia. Depends. Depends on how you look at it. They don't have a beach? They don't have a beach. Suck it. West Virginia. We have multiple beaches. At least one. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe more. We have yeah. a shore. Right. We have an eastern and a western shore. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, we, I guess we have two eastern shores. Mm-hmm. Man, what are they? Is that a peninsula we got? The eastern shore? Yeah, it's a peninsula. It's not, a, it's not an isthmus. <laughs> isthmus. <laughs> but yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was a fun Lunum Dare. I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't comment on any games. I feel bad. I've played some. Did you rate? No. Did you like and subscribe? No. I God didn't do it. anything. You didn't participate in the electoral process. I know. I don't know. It's how weird. many votes did you get? How many how many ratings have you gotten? Enough. Let's just how say many? That. <laughs> how many? I think like twenty six or something. Oh, okay. So yeah. I was expecting like a hundred or something. Yeah. At first it was like thirteen and I was like, I wonder if I can make it so that I'm not rated. That'd be cool. Waypoints best <laughs> non rated Ludum Dare game. Right. And so then but then like a couple of days ago I noticed it got another bump. Thanks to Mike, Kreiser, Pazer, Hazarazic. Thanks a lot, Mike. Thanks a lot. Yeah, Ludum Dar. We didn't we didn't get into it last week, but 
Lumdare, the the show. Yeah. <laughs> Jazz hands. Yeah. The, the uh, spectacle of Ludum Dare. Kind of kind of went off the rails a little bit. I know. Because he tried to migrate everything to a new site for this one. This was like the first one. Right? He was using the, the new site, which is still, I guess, in testing. And then he was like slowly adding features. Yeah. So you couldn't even... Like throughout the jam. Yeah. Still doing it probably. And you couldn't even filter or sort or search for games. You still can't search for games. But you can still sort through submissions on the new site. But like when voting first started, you couldn't. Mm. So you had to go to Feedback Friends, which was like a third party. Yeah, it was like a contribution from some people of the community. They made the site that allows you to search via text and also sort for games by like least rated or coolest ones or most karma, which the karma system's like if you rate or comment on a game, you receive karma, um, and then you receive more karma if someone likes your game, I mean, likes your comment on someone else's game, and then you lose karma whenever someone rates your game or comments on your game. So it's this thing of, like, constantly want you to play as many games as possible because that keeps you higher up in the visibility charts. Yeah. But then there are other ways to search by visibility. It was like, here's people who haven't gotten any ratings or anything. Yeah. And so you had to go to Feedback Friends to do that at the beginning of the voting session. And then near the end, which voting has, I mean, when did the jam end? Was it end of April 28th or something? I don't remember. It was like somewhere around the end of April. Yeah. And so we're like three weeks from it. Right. Voting was supposed to end yesterday, but it was originally supposed to end a week ago. Right. Because that's usually how long it is. It's like two two weeks. weeks. But he added an extra week because there were features that weren't added. And every day, he had one blog post where he was like, oh, I'm extending it out. And it's like, he, you know, had all this additional information. And then at the very end, he goes, if you want to tell me how much I've ruined Ludum Dare, please see this thread and comment on this thread, not this current thread. <laughs> so he was like <laughs> acutely aware of how people were reacting to kind of the the slipshod. Yeah. Maybe like 500 years from now, we'll be getting all of our moisture from still suits and we can communicate telepathically and we'll still just be voting on Ludum Dare 38. (laughs) I heard Ludum Dare 38 was going to end this week, this century. (laughs) The prophecy speaks true. Have you played this game, Paisley Princess? (laughs) It's okay. It got a write-up on Polygon <laughs> Wake Putatu. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. the The future of Ludum Dare, I think, is still pretty bright. But I think so too. I just I, I said this last summer when I had Mike and Moment on, where I was just kind of like, I just I know you hate this. I think he just needs to get a little more, just a little more commercial or something. However you want to phrase yeah. it, he just needs a team. He just needs however he can. I don't think the Patreon's the best course of action right. for this because the community is f- far too small. Yeah. And it's just not. And apparently from what you guys were talking about, like he's also very protective yes. of certain stuff. Yeah. Like apparently you can, there's a GitHub for the website that you can commit to, but sometimes he doesn't yeah, I don't take think he, the pull requests. I think Mike needs to open up his heart. Yeah. That's the real answer. And also his wallet. <laughs> yeah that might be the answer too maybe like Mike, need, Mike just needs to get like a full time job and hire somebody with all the Patreon money or something 
yeah, I just think because he's he's been around around for a while. I mean, obviously Lumdar, but he's also yeah. his his short bio says like he used to be a developer or work in AAA, and then he switched to being indie, and then now he just pretty much does this yeah as full time as he can. So maybe there is somewhere not to be too much of a armchair psychiatrist, but maybe there was somewhere down the road or somewhere along the lines where he got burned real bad. Yeah. On like big productions. Yeah. And so he wants to keep it kind of as small as he can. Yeah. So could be the case. I just, I want to see it succeed. I mean, so like this new, the, like the new Lunum Dare site's been like a long time coming and like, he's been talking about it. Codename Starship. Yeah. And so like on one hand, it's just like, okay, get it done. But on the other hand, like it's pretty nice now. This is nice. I like the new logo. Yeah, it is missing a lot of features, but like, it's like the features I'm excited for are weren't possible with the WordPress site. Right. I dislike his over reliance on emoji, and when (laughs) he's like, "We have Markdown support. Also, you can use emoji on your blog post." I'm like, "Oh, great! (laughs) Exactly what I want." Uh, But and Android is getting new emojis. Oh, is yeah, I, I, I heard some Ugh. rumblings about that. Are they just the regular emoji now? Yeah, they just look like iPhone emojis. Yeah. It's the worst. Do you, do you like the gumdrop? The yeah, dots guy? I love them. Yeah, yeah the, uh, what do they call them? Like slugs or something? Is that what they call them? I don't know. But they were like flat, pretty, mm-hmm. stylish. Funny. Funny. You could type in ha 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 into Hangouts and one would pop up and be like, ah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and go back down. That scared the crap out of me the first time. <laughs> Ghouls in my phone just smash it on table. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty upset. I'm not in a good mood with emojis right now. Frowny face emoji. Hmm. Poop emoji. It's basically like moving back to like uh, V bulletin emojis in my mind. <laughs> you weren't. You were. You never like on forums as a kid. No. Oh. I was on Neopets. Ew, Dylan. What? <laughs> Don't even. Don't even. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. You do not. You do not. Don't be so gross. You do not. Do not give me any disdain <laughs> about the world of Neopets. Neopets are nasty. I bathed my Neopets. <laughs> I groomed my Neopets. Thank you very much. I just remember like the way Neopets looked, and it was just like, third-rate pokemon oh the neopets themselves yeah what about the website what's your opinion on the website uh i haven't really dived in <laughs> i haven't no you just saw you just saw the character designs like yeah. this bullshit yeah because but i think they've like redesigned them like eight times since i checked them out the neopets yeah because guess what site's still exactly the same <laughs> and it's great i was oh, like oh man. i know where everything is still <laughs> go to giant omelet get myself some omelet go to soup kitchen they had a lot of weird games i did I do kind of remember that well a lot of their games were just like here's oh fuck what was it like the squirrel with the tail it was like merchie or whatever the animal was called but this is just snake it's just snake uh-huh. uh with like one or two added gameplay elements or here's one that's basically just uh, a tycoon game. It's like plushy tycoon or something. So you're like you're a, a toy manufacturer. And you're trying to win big. And I suck at tycoon games. So I'm a bad business student because I don't know how to price things worth <laughs> shit in those games. I don't know. Like I don't know how how the like logic works 
in tycoon right. games yeah but i'm always like oh this makes sense and make it this color and do it in this price and i'll sell it and then i just run out of money i don't know how it works in real life either i never meet like any economies of scale it's just well <laughs> nope you're out of money i was like cool awesome <laughs> nice <laughs> great this bodes well for my future endeavors <laughs> So you were a kid of the '80s, right? Will is that uh, is that a correct assessment? Late '80s, early '90s. Yeah, yeah. Well, so what? And when did Neopets come around? Late '90s. Yeah. What was the Neopets equivalent of your age? My age. Of your age. Whether uh, digital, physical entertainment, analog. Tamagotchi. Tamagotchi. Yeah. I remember Tamagotchis came out when I was like in middle school. I think. Yeah, feed them. Yeah, and this was like. This is like when like the rich, like the super rich kid in my school was just like, I got this. It's from Japan. <laughs> so like, I don't even know. I don't even know if I could say that Tamagotchi's was even it. Uh, drawing that dumb looking S on paper, probably. Oh, yeah. No, that's perennial. If we go to <laughs> elementary school on Monday, we will find a composition notebook with that S carved into 300 it. 300 S's. All right. Well, don't shit on Neopets. Okay, well. <laughs> All right. All right. It's it means a lot. Yeah. It means a lot to me. Well, to me. To me. It means a lot to a certain kind of person. That's what I'm is all I'm saying. Me. <laughs> That's me. Enough about the the Neopets. <laughs> the pets of the Neo. And Ludum Daray. All right. If we're if we're done with that. Yeah. Any 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 extra things to add to Ludum Daray? Uh, I don't think so. Lana DeRay. Lana Video Games. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have you been playing any regular video games? Uh, not really. No. I've been playing. I, I got Risk on my phone. I've been playing Risk. So. Riveting. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty fun. Do you like Risk? I love Risk. I love playing Risk against AI because it's super easy. And like they could like, you know, if like if I'm playing against a person, like immediately they're like, this asshole's trying to get Australia. <laughs> <laughs> I know your game. Everybody kill him. But it against AI, they're just dumb and they don't get it. And that's like the, the win state basically, right? Like if you get Australia, you're pretty much set. Yeah, I usually go for South America, but lately I've been going for Australia just in Switch the hemispheres around. So, having never played Risk, uh, <laughs> what's the what is the how how does conquering Australia or South America uh, aid you in your conquest? So basically, like it's nice because there's like fewer points of entry. Like for Australia, you can basically if you take over Australia, you put all your dudes in like Borneo or. Siam, according to your map, and uh, once again we are referencing the 18th century map that's on my wall, and it's probably using very culturally inappropriate names. And then, uh, yeah, Siam doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. So if you just put all your dudes in that one spot, basically, like nobody can touch you unless they have like more dudes. But uh, early game, if nobody else controls like a a lar- like a continent or a whatever they call them in risk i don't know i don't play risk that much but um just play on my phone <laughs> whenever gets the ai when you have like a whole continent under your control or area or whatever you get like bonus armies at the beginning of a round and so like australia it's like gives you shitty armies it gives you like three armies which isn't that big of a deal just three armies <laughs> but 
like early game like if you just like keep putting him in that one spot and then you like it's just like it's you you just create like this like crazy army because everybody else is fighting and like the ai is just like oh he has like eight armies there so i'm not going to touch him because they only have four so they only like fight amongst themselves and an army is a unit yeah so just one pawn on yeah. the on the on the battlefield i mean that's what i call them i don't know what they're called platoons yeah squadrons I'm sure, like, if somebody l- listens to your podcast is like way into risk, they're probably pulling out their hair. <laughs> they're called but, phalanxes. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's pretty fun to play against the AI because it's pretty easy to uh, beat it. Sometimes- I've never played. I played against people once, and it was like before I knew how to play the game. And so, like, these people were way into risk, and I was like not at all. And then so like they. F- really focused on each other's strategy and then i basically did my thing where i just like i'm just gonna i'm just gonna wander around the room and not pay attention and then come back when it's my turn and put a bunch of armies on one spot Uh i'm just like oh he's not really playing but then at the end i was like oh wait i have like a bajillion dudes in this one spot and then i just took over and won all right so sounds like how i play civ yeah (laughs) so like against people i'm one for one baby against ai it's like um i used to play it on like a pre-smartphone phone oh so many hours at work just sitting in the bathroom playing risk nice that kind of that's kind of how it ended up with our uh our annual puerto rico game at pax east oh yeah because it was me mason alex and dan and mason and i got really like into the 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 game of the game the uh-huh. meta and so we were all like trying to play like three mo- eight moves ahead <laughs> and whatever and so we were playing a long game because, so basically, Puerto Rico, are you familiar with how it no. works? On a, all right. So basically, you... It's a territory of the United States, but it's not a state, right? No. <laughs> you, you're not playing... There's no conquering portion. It's basically Catan, but you all have separate boards. So everyone has a identical copy of the island of Puerto Rico uh-huh. and then the city of San Juan. And you have basically... Um, plantations and production operations uh-huh. and so you're, you're just building your your island up over time right and you're accumulating resources but the resources are semi randomly assigned to you and there are different roles each round so there's a role where you can pull in more resources from resource tiles that mm-hmm. are there's a limited pool of them but only a few of them are revealed so you can only pick from the ones that are revealed oh. and it's things like tobacco corn uh indigo sugar but things like corn require no uh means of production to produce right whereas indigo you need like a warehouse or you need like an indigo a, a dye factory or whatever they're called to produce so those are items that are harder to produce and you also need quarries and quarries are a very limited resource of which there's only like eight in the game if you're playing a four-player game and once the quarries are gone, all you have left are the regular resources. So, and the quarries are what you use to build buildings. So, if you don't get any quarry, that would be me. You're fucked. You can't build anything. So, basically, you need to run like a, an entire corn game. So, at, so by the time all the quarry was, all the quarries were dealt out. I had three. Mason had three. Alex had two, and I think Dan had two. Right. And. We, uh, or no, we were playing with five. I think Dan's friend Chris was playing with us. So I think Alex, Dan, and Chris all had two quarries. 
So Alec, uh, Mason and I were playing this long game of like, okay, we want to accumulate as many resources that we can build using, since we have a greater means of production. Right. And then what you want to do is you want to then ship all your resources out once you produce them and you get victory points. Whoever has the most victory points at the end of the game wins. So we were playing the super long game where we were producing very like uh, resource intensive items <laughs> like like the indigo or like the coffee or the tobacco. Right. Whereas Alex was just making a fuck ton of corn and he ends up winning because we made the game go play out too long. Whereas we had a means <laughs> to end the game early. Right. And if we ended the game like three turns earlier, we would have one of us would have won because right. we ended up tying second <laughs> and then Alex came in first because he just had a shit ton of corn and he just kept loading it on ships and sending them out. Right. He was getting a fuck ton of victory points at the end of the game. So, yeah. So, yeah, risk, you know, <laughs> got to protect your corn. I'm, I'm so bad at board games. Uh, I used to play like a lot of Monopoly as a kid, not understanding mm. Monopoly very well. Still not really understanding Monopoly right. really well. Do you know the rules say on free parking you just don't do anything? Yeah, you don't do anything. Yeah, it's not you don't win money. Yeah, and you know why that is? Because who's ever gotten a handful of money when you park? <laughs> well, also adding that house rule extends the game. Right. So that's why people have like these five-hour Monopoly sessions. And yeah. They're like, oh my god, when's this game end? It's like, motherfucker, you keep putting money back into the game. <laughs> yeah. If you stop putting money back into the game, that's it. Also. <laughs> There's the rule of if you land on a property and you don't want to buy it. Right. That doesn't mean the property doesn't get bought. It immediately right. goes into auction. Yeah. And then people bid on it. Yeah. So so that immediately means that within the span of like three goes around the board, all of the properties have been made. Everyone's low on cash. People are starting to develop houses and hotels on there. Yeah. And so it just you burn through the game so much quicker. Yeah. And like... uh in the rules, that's what they tell you to do, but nobody ever reads the rules. Because these are weird, archaic house rules from like, I don't know when these house rules were made. <laughs> right. By some sadistic slumlord, probably. <laughs> Just make them keep playing. They won't pay attention. They won't know that we're swindling them <laughs> in the real had, game of Monopoly. I've almost had breakups because of Monopoly. I'm pretty close. I, I've had sleepovers where we did nothing but play Monopoly, went to bed, got back up, and then kept playing the same fucking game. And it's like, <laughs> why are we doing this? It's bad. I don't know. I like board games. I, I'm not big of a board game guy. Yeah. I, I don't play a lot. Uh, I just like, I, I've never played them. So like every time I play them, it's like with people that are like way into board games. Oh, so And so they're like, here's this weird board game with 5 million pieces and One weird, really trick. weird rules and I'm not going to tell you the most important part of it until the end when I'm explaining why I won. It's like when you go over to your friend's house to play Halo or Guitar Hero and they yeah. play it all the time. So they're like way better than you. Yeah. It's like, oh, this isn't fun. Yeah. I was that kid, by the way. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Still am. I invited people over and be like, hey, let's play Halo. <laughs> I've only logged like 300 hours in the Halo 2. What's the big deal? No other games? Uh, I've been playing. Uh, I got an urge to play like a clicker game, so I checked out some clicker games uh -huh. on the Android store. Uh huh. And I'm playing this game, Egg Incorporated. It's pretty funny. But is it about eggs? Yeah. Let me uh see how many dollars I have from eggs right now. How many egg dollars you got? Uh, <clears throat> looks like I've got. Oh, it stopped. <laughs> <laughs> this is not running in the background. Oh, uh, there we go. Oh, jeez. Oh, I lost all my egg dollars. Got 
$2.52 septillion for my eggs. Septillion? Yeah. Crazy, man. That's a lot of dosh. Can I see? Yeah. It's got a really nice interface. Ooh. Is this a pixel? Yeah. Oh, this is nice. But yeah, it's it's pretty fun. You uh, hatch hens, and then hens lay eggs, and you get money for your eggs. You need to like upgrade your hen houses and your uh, trucks. Uh-huh. This is cool. I like this kind of uh, low poly, very yeah. flat. It looks really good. Isometric look. I mean, there's like a bajillion clickers out there, so I just sure. looked for the prettier one. There's a drone flying around here. Yeah, if you like hit the drones, you get extra money, which is kind of weird and funny. Kind of like the UFO and Space Invaders? Yeah. The There's a building on your farm called Egg Kia? Yeah, it's like an Ikea for eggs. <laughs> you just buy eggs? No, no, that's where the chickens go. This is a, uh, there's like a lot of drones now, and I'm like <laughs> tapping on them and, and knocking them down, and I feel like this is exactly what a 21st century egg farmer does. <laughs> just sits on his property yeah, with a rifle and just shoots drones. Amazon drones. It's pretty fun. I got this pretty great strategy going, so you'll notice uh, I have my, these are my hen houses, and the, uh, the egg key is on the far left, because... The, it gives you a longer path for the chickens to run down. To do what? Uh, well, the point is that the more chickens that are on the screen, the higher the bonus you get for your eggs. So I want the chickens to be on screen for the longest, so I have my biggest hen house at the end of the row. That's just some of an advanced strat. Oh, okay. Hot, you ever... hot <laughs> yeah. uh Egg, what was it called? Egg ink? Egg ink, yeah. Hot egg ink strats. Yeah, so this is pretty much like all the pro tips for this. That's all you need. Podcast. Just take a, have a drill bit, <laughs> a, like a little jackhammer bit, and just put like a rubber end onto it, and just have it above your phone, so it's just constantly tapping the phone. So well, you, you run it. out of chickens, so. Oh, God damn it. I know. There's, <laughs> it's not, a, it's, it's, it's interesting because it's a little bit different than cookie clicker. It's just straight up just tapping. Right, yeah. You can hold down, which is nice. Uh, the only clicker game I ever played was Tap My Katamari. Is that good? Yeah, it was fun. I got all the way to the end of the game, and then it just sends you back to the beginning, and it's like, all right, do it again. I'm like, nope, fuck this. <laughs> now, that's a big thing in this one. Like You uh, get prestige points. and Prestige? It, like It's like a multiplier. Mm. So... I'm earning, I'm earning like 17,000 times more than... Ooh. You interested in uh, Wiz Khalifa's clicker game? No, what? <laughs> <laughs> Is his pot, his grow operation clicker? No, I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's just you're just growing strains of marijuana. Or the Mary Jane. I might play that. Yeah. Sounds fun. Yeah. They have all these like weird names. Like, I love clicker games because you're just like, you're playing like an RPG without any of the mess. <laughs> the bullshit? Yeah. Just, just exactly Justin what would, an RPG is. Justin would like slap me in the face right now. <laughs> but I mean, like, I mean, like, it's like if you make an RPG for a f- mobile phone, it can't be like an RPG for a Super Nintendo because people aren't like, okay, I'm at this red light. <laughs> Let me listen to the story <laughs> of Fight Sephiroth. Yeah. Verdana's Mage Guild and stuff. I feel like Fire Emblem Heroes did a pretty good job. Uh well yeah but I skipped all the story in that that's true oh so that's that's the perspective of an RPG you mean right. you mean like a the narrative but like I mean like something like, like uh War of Alana the thing that Justin's making like that's 
totally a throwback to old school Shining Force. Shining Force 2 on the Sega Genesis. Ooh. And so like that kind of when you're like in the mood to play that kind of thing, all that like nice town music and the lots of dialogue, like it's a pacing thing. Any other clickers? No, I think that's it. Let me see. Just you and Egg Inc. Yeah, I kind of went on like an app downloading spree the other day. Well, Blanton, CEO of Egg Inc. Oh, you know what? Hmm. Been playing me some Time Bomb. I have too. Yeah, Galen, Galen Montgomery, our friend. Esoteric Games. Isoteric uh, released his game Time Bomb yesterday. App phone store, iPhone. App phone. The Google games. Just Google app phone <laughs> Time Bomb. Yeah. It's so good. It, it feels really good on mobile too. I've yeah. only played it on computer. Sometimes I don't know if my finger slips or like. I, sometimes I feel like it doesn't shrink. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like it just like I'm not hitting the input, but it's supposed to be like that half of the screen, so I don't know right. what's going on. So maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe you're pressing both sides at the same time. That might be it. Might be like the multi-touch stuff is messing up. Yeah, I like it a lot. So basically, how it works is that you're this this rolling bomb. Just going through the air. It's a side scroller, infinite runner. And there are these pillars that have like an electric arc at the end of the pillars. And you can grow and shrink the size of the bomb. And there's that there's a basically a a a shell, like a translucent shell that's like a little larger than however large your bomb is. And what you want to do is you want to graze the shell into the side of the column, and that will award you more time. Because you start out with ten seconds. And you're constantly, and it's counting down, and then when it get, reaches zero, you blow up. But also, if you're too large for the passage between the two columns, any one passageway, you also blow up. Yep. So, it's this constant, like, growing, shrinking, growing, shrinking, growing, shrinking. Oh, I gotta get, gotta get really big for this one. Oh, the next one's super small, guys. Shrink weight. Oh, I lost. Kaboom. Music's so good. It's good. I, I'd, I'd only heard, like, the first, like, ten seconds of it before, I think. But it's got like a cool like acidy. And if you let it like run on like the the game over screen, like you can see like the little arcs yeah. fire off in beat with the yeah with the game, which you can't really pay attention to in the regular game. Yeah, uh, I think it's pretty excellent. I like it. I like it more than Flappy Bird. Hot takes. Uh, Hot takes all around. What's your uh, What's your high score? Time bomb. 21 seconds. Uh, I think <laughs> I'm probably like around that. I think I okay. might be like 20. I th- it feels like there's a weird threshold there. It's like it like it gets exponentially harder. Yeah. I think after like 15 seconds. It does. I like it. It's good. Good. Congratulations, Galen. Congrats, Galen. Should have him on. Yeah. See what he has to say about the response to it. It's a dollar. Yeah. 99 cents. And uh, like Alex was saying, I think it was Alex. Uh, if you have... Um, I don't know, I don't know how you fancy iPhone people do things, but on Android you can download Google Opinions. Oh, the survey thing! And it's like every once in a while, it's like, "Are you Asian?" And you're like, "No." And it's like, "Here's twelve cents." Like, sweet. Like, cool. Thank you. And so, like, thank you, brother Google. <laughs> I do. You do that a few times, and then yeah, I think I paid like around twelve cent for Time Bomb. But Galen still gets a dollar, or probably like seventy cents or something. Everyone wins. Yeah. Everyone wins. Do you know what he made it in? Uh, Godot. He didn't make it in Godot. Yeah. Godot and Goodnight. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen that many other games made in Godot, so 
Hopefully the uh, the the Godot user base is representing. So go, down low, Godot. Hell yeah! But time bomb's good. Time bomb is good. You should play it. I like it. Anything else? Uh, no, I don't think so. I've been reading. What? Started reading. Get that bullshit out of here. Yeah, I finally learned how to read. Fucking, it's pretty what's great. wrong with you? <laughs> it's so fucking. There's like maybe five Luddite books I like to read. Bullshit. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I'm reading Umberto Eco's Name of the Rose. Uh, if you're a fan of Sherlock Holmes, mm. deck definitely recommend that. Is this Hispanic Sherlock Holmes? Uh, he's a t- Italian. Italian. And the it's it's like it's it's it really is like I think he's mentioned that it's like a tribute to Sherlock Holmes, and it's about this guy, this older, it's this this old guy, monk who's writing about an experience he had as a young novice monk with an older monk who's super smart and they're solving a murder. Bom, bom, bom. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Monk murders. That's it's cool. really interesting. Cause like it go into a lot of the politics pater- between like different fraternal orders of monks. Like the Franciscans are like askew wealth to be poor. Like the Jesus poor like the jesus and then uh <laughs> other other monks want to be super rich and right like the main the, we call those monks catholics <laughs> the main the main character dude is like um he was a inquisitor Ooh. and like the those demons haunt him so was this like 16th 17th century yeah something like that i don't know i'm pretty bad at history any opus day is that like from it's from the Da Vinci Code. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Are you embarrassed to say that? <laughs> yeah. uh, no, one of my other favorite books is uh, Holy Blood, Holy Grail, which is what the Da Vinci Code is based on, sort of. Hmm. But that's like this weird, it's like nonfiction, but it's based on like a lot of the stuff that these dudes are writing the book on is like just like a falsified document. So it's pretty funny. <laughs> but yeah, this Umberto Eco guy, he's my favorite author. Uh, he wrote another book probably my favorite book Foucault's Pendulum I'm gonna read that next cool I got it next to my bed oh Oh, baby yeah (laughs) I'm gonna read you up (laughs) how old are these books when are these books written uh probably in the 70s oh wow okay there's a there's a movie of Name of the Rose with uh Sean Connery and Christian Slater there's, that sounds like a match made in heaven. Yeah, I think it's one of Christian Slater's first movies. Oh my god! And there's like a full on, like oh god, unsimulated sex scene with an underage Christian Slater. And what makes it even weirder? Like <laughs> what makes it even weirder is it was with a girl that like apparently Christian Slater's mom was like, she's the one. In so, terms of like, she's the one you're gonna marry. No, like she's the one that you're gonna have sex with for the scene. Like she chose the actress or something weird. Oh, oh. So yeah, that's pretty weird. Oh god, that's pretty. Hollywood's pretty weird, huh? So messed up. Uh, good movie though. That's good. I like Christian Slater. I just don't like. This was before Christian Slater was just like a young handsome Jack Nicholson. Ah, uh, you know what? That's a pretty. That's a pretty apt <laughs> description of Christian Slater. I don't like Mr. Robot. Me neither, man. Yeah. Okay, good. I, I was like, I'm going to like this show. 
I thought I would like the show. I mean, after the first scene, you're like, all right, this scene, that's pretty cool. And then, yeah, it just gets kind of me. It's like, hey, do you like Fight Club? I mean, yeah, Fight Club's all right. Do you want more Fight Club? Like, (laughs) uh, do you want Fight Club with like a douchey hacker subculture mixed into it? Not really. Okay, (laughs) here you go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know. There's parts of it I like. I liked the main character for the first few episodes. I think Rami Malek's a really good actor. Yeah. I really like him in the Pacific. He's really good in the Pacific. It's basically the second season of Band of Brothers. Oh. It takes place in the Pacific Theater. Huh. And it follows Marines instead of uh, paratroopers. Interesting. Uh, But Rami Malek plays this Marine whose nickname is Snafu. Nice. And he's like a super despondent. He's basically... I mean, I think Remy Malik plays the same role because he just looks bug-eyed all the time, but he's just right. like super standoffish, despondent, asshole <laughs> guy uh, that gives all the, the newbie shit. And there's a really touching part at the very end. Wait, well, do you want to hear it? Yeah, sure. Okay. He, spoiler uh, alert. Spoiler alert. Fast forward 45 minutes if you don't want to hear it. Uh, how was my VHS impression that time? Is <laughs> oh, it yeah. better? Yeah. Okay. The uh, because these are all real characters because based off a memoir, just uh-huh. like Band of Brothers. So not it's not a spoiler. It really so it's happened. just life. It's I history. can't spoil life. Hitler died. We won. Spoilers. I haven't watched that one yet. When they come back from the war, he doesn't talk to anyone for like thirty years. Uh-huh. And there's a pretty good scene where he's like on the train and it's his stop, but everyone else is asleep and he just gets up and walks off the train. And they like didn't never heard from him. Until like the guy who wrote the memoir published it or something, huh. and they find, and then they reconnected. I was like, man, how can you make a sad character even sadder? Oh, I know, <laughs> just make him not care if he has if he ever meets any of the other characters again. That's how I used to really like leaving parties, just fade out. Yeah, wait till nobody's watching, then bolt. Good, good. What are we talking about? Uh, I don't, I, I don't know. Uh-huh. Books. Christian Slater. Christian Slater. Yeah. <laughs> Christian Slater. He's pretty good in Archer. You know what, though? Halt and Catch Fire. Now, that's a show. I want to watch it. You should really watch it. It's on Netflix. You mentioned um, Rami. Rami. Is it Rami? Malik? Is it Rami Ismail? I don't know. I think it's Rami. Rami. Is it Jan or John? Jan Willem? Jan Snow. <laughs> uh, but yeah. You mentioned he has like these crazy bug eyes and there's this character called Cameron Howe in Halt and Catch Fire and she's like normal and she's cool and she's like the cool character in the show. She's like the, everybody's favorite character. But um, she has like a relationship with another character in the show and then they don't have a relationship. Spoiler alert. But every time she sees him, she's just like her eyes just like giant and she's just like she stares at him. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I want to watch that show. Good. I was in the right mood to watch it. I turned it on, and the first scene is him running over that armadillo. I'm like, I'm not in the mood for <laughs> this much douchebaggery. Yeah. So I'm just going just gonna to try watching something else. That's a really interesting character, too. You go back and forth, like, liking him and disliking him a lot. I like that. I like that about characters. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. AMC's been, AMC puts out good stuff. Woo. Besides Walking Dead. Yeah. <laughs> I've never watched a single episode of Walking Dead. Really? But everyone's just so 
I'll say this: the first one is it. pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I've read the read the graphic novel. Yeah, like not all of it, but I've read like the first couple of issues. When they do like the art change very early on, I was very taken aback because I had like settled into like the art they start with. Yeah, and they switched it. And I don't know if they switched it for like a guest issue or something. I think that was the case, but I was kind of like, I don't really like this other art. I'm gonna stop reading this. Yeah, I'm gonna put like, it back on the Barnes and Noble shelf because I didn't buy it. I was just sitting in the VCU Barnes and Noble reading it, so I'm just back in the shelf. The show just seems like to feel the need to like one up itself, and it's just like it's like it's like the first episodes, the first couple episodes, really good. Like it goes through all the like generic zombie stuff, but in kind of clever ways, and it's pretty fun. But like, I mean, like there's just so much you can do with that. Where it's just like, you know, like oh, zombies are out, but guess what? People are the worst part. And, you know, like that can be summed up with somebody just like being like leaving people behind, you know, like, all right, you're done. We already explored that. But this shows like, no, but this other person, he likes to hit people in the head with chainsaws. Uh oh. And you're just like, okay. But I mean, it's still the same shit. Right. I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm super done with that show. Have you played the game? No. Game is really good. I think I haven't. Yeah. You should play it. You like Telltale games? I've never played one. Really? Yeah. Play The Walking Dead. You should play The Walking Dead. Is that the best one? I, I, uh, <laughs> I don't like have a best one. Because here's my thing about Telltale. I get kind of prickly when people talk about the lack of mechanics in Telltale games. Right. Because I am someone that really likes storytelling. Really likes well done storytelling. Right. And thinks games in general have a lot left to do on the front of storytelling and games. Right. But I think despite all the technical problems that Telltale has with like their engines, which there are a lot of, which there were quite a couple when I was playing the Batman Telltale game. Right. There were parts where Bruce Head's head was rotated 90 degrees <laughs> and it would just like snap to axes <laughs> during a cutscene. I was like, oh my God, I wish I was recording this right now. But it's still top-notch storytelling from other stuff. It's not right. all perfect, but it's all really, really good. A lot better than what you've seen in a lot of other games. But I think a lot of people come to games for gameplay, and so right. they really well don't like these games. Which, I mean, if, if, if you play a Telltale game, you're like, all right, this is my cup of tea. That's fine. Right. But I don't like people that kind of dismiss them out of hand. That's what gets me. It's like people that complain. Like it's like when punk rock kids complain about pop music. Like, yeah, pop music so shitty. I can't believe pop music. And it's like, well, you know what? Just like, don't listen to pop music. Wait, do punk rock or punk rock listeners all just the Kardashians? And yeah, with yeah. vocal fry. Yeah, pretty much. If you're if you like music, that's what your voice sounds like. <laughs> I can't believe Tim McGraw's new single is like so lame. But yeah, I I and and people have been talking about that. New Guardians of the Galaxy Telltale series and mm. saying it's really good but still and even at this point I'm like yeah this engine like there's a lot of technical things that this engine needs to address right like, it's just it's stuttery it's slow it's you know it's not built to the task because and I thought they had like updated it before the Batman game which I could have sworn I heard uh, to tell of Telltale of uh, <laughs> that they were like updating the engine but then 
Batman didn't really fix anything. It looked a, the fidelity looked a lot better than what I had seen in previous games, but I didn't see any like increase in the in the engine. Yeah, but I don't know. It, but that that's. I mean, maybe they just updated the engine but ignored all the bugs. <laughs> 1.2 <laughs> bug fixes include <laughs> null space but yeah no yeah I, f- I feel the same way about a lot of stuff where it's just like people seem to have like a huge problem with certain things and it's just like well I mean it's life yeah. <laughs> you have the option to partake with this or not yeah I mean it's one thing to dislike it it's another thing to kind of like jump down someone's throat right every time someone mentions i played this game it's like blah, 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 blah. right blah 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 batman will remember that blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like okay i got it cool but yeah no you should so to answer your question i don't have a favorite one i've played the first season of walking dead i've played the game of thrones one i've played tales from the borderlands i played the batman one and they're all good what about minecraft i want to play it really but, yeah because yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs> that sounds like such a cool, creative challenge. It's like, let's tell a story with yeah. like the most open-ended. It's like it's like the Lego movie. It's like, how do we take this thing that's basically a toy right. that had no pre-existing canon to it or very little, and how do we how do we make a story out of that? I think with the Lego movie, like things, it makes like a little bit more sense just because there's kind of like. There's characters. Tropes, yeah, and like weird trends with Lego toys, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I am I'm. I feel like the Minecraft thing like was weird. <laughs> like, huh. like, I feel like, I feel like it was weird because like people were already doing it on YouTube so much, you know what I mean? Like making stories out of Minecraft. Well, maybe it draws from that. I've, yeah, I've only... I, that's what I'm guessing is that it just like was like, hey, kids really like making stories out of Minecraft. Let's do that. Yeah. And the fact that it's called Minecraft Story Mode, right? Because like the other ones were like Creative Mode and Survival Mode. Like I just, man. I think that's super, uh, super clever. I won't play it. I won't play this new Guardians one too. Uh, but yes, you should try. You should play Walking Dead season one because that phenomenal story. And if you like horror, you like horror. Okay, yeah. And there's and there's like not a lot. There's like some gory parts. Right. It's more psychological, kind of like how yeah, yeah. Walking Dead is. But it's really good. Really enjoyed it. Stern the Stem, top to finish. Good game. Do you want to hear what I've been playing? Yeah. Do you want to hear about more Disney Crossy Road? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> How's that? It's, it's good. Have you played Crossy Road? No. Oh. Have you played Frogger? No. Yeah, I've played both of those. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I'm aware of Crossy Road breaking the cardinal rule <laughs> of yes and <laughs> yes and William <laughs> the yeah it's Crossy Road but with Mickey Mouse yeah and a bunch of other characters I've gone into it before but yeah uh, it's still keeping my attention huh. and I'm like I'm bored D- Disney Crossy Road's right here that's cool and I'll play as as Needle Man from Monsters Inc. and hop around. I was really excited because I've got uh, Advance Wars on my phone, like a emulator and ROM. Oh, and I was like, "This is awesome! I'm gonna love this." But like, uh, need that D-pad. That and like the game is just like kind of slow moving, so it doesn't really work for mobile that well. 
Like oh, yeah. they, they need to make a mobile version of it is what I'm saying before I do. Well, they're making that Link mobile game first. Yeah. What if it's just Zelda 2, though? What if it's just... Instead of Super Mario Run, it's Legend Zelda Sword. I could work. I could make that. Yeah. yeah. You made that little Pico 8 Zelda yeah. 2. That was just... That was, that was like a more just like... I wonder if I could make Zelda 2 sprites with the Pico 8. Turns out you can. Yeah. Look good. Pretty fun. I like the color palette. Yeah. Pico 8's color palette. Whew. Top notch. Good choice. 256? 16. 16 colors? Yeah. That's it? Yeah. But I mean, you look at those games and you're like, you can see such clarity. And, oh, so good. Creativity and constraint. Yeah. It's always good. Yeah. So Disney Crossy Road. What else have I been playing? Uh, more Breath of the Wild. Mm. Will's favorite game. <laughs> Is it? Uh, where where are you at in that? Are you? I I just beat the fourth, or I mean the third, uh, Divine Beast, which right. is the well, you don't you don't have to do them in order, but I did the volcano, the the Goron one, just mm. inside a volcano. I heard that one was fun. It's fun. It's uh, getting there is a pain in the ass. Yeah. Because the second you get into Death Mountain or around Death Mountain, you just light on fire. If you don't have, because there's heat resistance, right? right? There's heat resistance. There's also uh, flame guard, which is like oh. technically not f- heat resistance. It's just fire protection. So all your heat resistance stuff does not double as fire protection. Cool. So it doesn't matter if you have like the best heat resistance gear. You'll still walk into Death Mountain and just light on fire. And then you immediately start taking damage. That's cool. Yeah. So... Uh, but there's a whole thing about how to get heat resistance gear. So, so Death Mountain has a lot of. So figure this out. So you can make elixirs using critters and stuff, right? Yeah. There's a bunch of critters just all around, but they're really hard to catch because once they're close to you, they skitter off. Or like sometimes you'll pick up a, a rock and they'll be underneath, and the second you pick it up, they'll run away. Right. So I've been much better about catching critters. Because in order to make the flame guard elixir, you need either this moth or this lizard that lives in Death Mountain. It's like fireproof lizard, fireproof moth or something. Moth has a different name. But they, they skitter off. So I spent like a good 30, 45 minutes just sneaking around Death Mountain, <laughs> just creeping behind fireproof lizards and then just snapping them up. And just like as soon as I as soon as the prompt came up to A to pick up, I picked him up. And I made like a bunch of fireproof elixirs. I was like, awesome, got all these elixirs. Like they're maybe gives me like 40 minutes total right. between all of them of flame protection. And I was like, all right, but I'm gonna need some armor. So I looked up how you get the fireproof armor. And they said there's a person like very early on during the pathway up to the Goron village that will give you the armor if you give them. 10 fireproof lizards and I had just (laughs) used up all my lizards to make elixirs. I was like, great. So then I went around and started making and and, and the the scanner thing makes it easier because like I said before, you can take the scanner and assign a different item to it. Uh So like the fireproof lizard and take a picture of it and then assign it to the scanner, search for this instead of shrines and then Uh it'll alert you when you're close to one. So So that was helping a lot. It still took a while. And then I gave him my 10 fireproof lizards 
he gave me like the chest armor for the flame shield or the flame guard. I'm like, sweet. The first step in the divine beast quest, you have to go into a part of Death Mountain that you need double flame guard. So you need two pieces of the flame guard armor to get in there. And I was like, great. How do I how do I get more armor? And then I kept reading the guide I was reading. I was like, or you can just instead of doing the the lizard thing, you can just go into town and buy all three pieces of the flame uh. guard set. I was like, fucking great, <laughs> fun. This is fun. This is the part of the game that I don't like. Right. Like, it's. I mean, it was legitimately like kind of fun, like going around and like trying to find like all the lizards, but who's gonna know to do that? Right. What little kid is going to know to do that? Yeah. You're making it so brutal for some people. Like, like you need to lower the barrier just a little bit. It's not the biggest deal, but it's frustrating. Right. It's just like, I know for a fact, I can only imagine how many little kids were excited to play this game and then stop playing it because they just kept dying. Or just, you know, or I mean, technically you don't have to do this part of the game, so I guess like you're just gotten two or one of the divine beasts and then tried to fight ganon right but i don't know i feel like it's, it's a little detrimental they need to they need to make it easier for you to discover in game how to unlock this stuff because it's far too easy to overlook right but no i've I'm, I'm still been playing it it's fun the, that divine beast is cool because you make him rotate on his side like when you need to rotate him around the axis he climbs up the wall so he'll be standing on his back and then his back will and then he'll rotate like 90 degrees. So then you'll be on his side. Um, and then there's you got to get access to certain puzzles that way. Is he kind of like the lizard in the. Yeah, he's like a chameleon. Kind of that like really reminded around. me of that one boss from Shadow of the Colossus. I've never played. It's basically like the best Zelda game ever made. That's, that's I think that's what you told me. before. Next to Dark Souls. Yeah. I don't know which one's better. Are you interested in the surge? What is that? Sci-fi Dark Souls. Oh, no, like, not at all. It's like industrial punk Dark Souls. There's a the opening scene. The, you're watching this guy getting an exoskeleton drilled into his into his legs. Real fucked. Uh, I don't know. Every if, if something is described as like the Dark Souls of blank, generally it means it's bad. Mm. I just don't pay attention to that stuff. Um, I'll say Momodora is Momodora Four is like the exception to the rule. Oh yeah, so that's kind of like Dark Souls but two D, but it's like not trying to be super Dark Souls. Like some of the mechanics feel Dark Soulsy, and like the difficulty is hard. But like it's not like and here's your f- fireplace thing, and here's the Dark Souls, and it's super tough, and it's, we're gonna be super gritty and. Like part of the thing about Dark Souls, like, is it doesn't really try to be like gruesome and nasty and stuff. Like a lot of Dark Souls likes are like, here's the vagina monster. And it's like okay, that one um, thing in Dark Souls kind of has a gaping thing, but yeah, yeah. So it's just like uh, I don't know, I'm not interested. Don't like already, that type of marketing. I mean, you already have Dark Souls. It's like it's like being like, do you like Coke? Try RC Cola. And it's like, well. Coke's better. So. It's like the Coke of supermarket brands. <laughs> yeah. And so it's just like, yeah, no. It's like the Dark Souls of Coca-Cola, of Citizen Kane, of <laughs> of windshield wiper fluid. But yeah. 
no, I'm 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 excited. I I really hope that one of the next From Software games is going to be a sci-fi title. I really liked Armored Core, so maybe they'll bring that back. Not familiar. Uh, I've heard the name before. Pretty brutal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is it? But does it play kind of like Dark Souls? Is no third-person third action. It is third-person action, but like it's really tough. Like a lot of like Zone of the Enders Two is like another really good mech game, but that's like total like power fantasy stuff like it's so fast and you can shoot like a million bullets at once and zone of the enders was that, like homing and that game wasn't that a kojima game yeah like that remake uh yeah they have like an hd version yeah yeah you get your what's it called monk meal i have no idea <laughs> what it's like an item it's like health pickup it's called monk meal or something metatron and <laughs> zone of the enders yeah no yeah, I don't, I don't know. are we talking about the same game? I don't think so. The one that kind of looks, feels, and plays like Doom. No, what is that? I have no idea. God, this is gonna kill me. <laughs> it's not called Zone of the Enders. I don't think so. Zone of the Enders, you play as like a robot that flies around and shoots stuff. But um, are you sure? I'm super sure. My high. <laughs> Uh, but like, yeah, so like Zone of the Enders, everything's like fast and crazy and easy kind of not, it's like not an easy game at all, but like everything's like really smooth and like the experience is really satisfying and Armored Core is like very much more like, oh, I'm in a robot and like I have to aim the gun and like things home to things, but they're not that great. And my mech is slow and it runs out of energy all the time, but it's fun. I'm going to Google Monk Meal. Okay. And see where it takes me. <laughs> what could Monk Meal be? This is Rise of the Triad. Okay. Was what yeah. I was thinking. Well, of. it's totally similar. So I was just thinking. Meh of the meh. Yeah. Meh of the meh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Sorry. <laughs> but, but Resident of the Enders was Kojima. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I've also been playing um, a a suggestion from our own Tyler Rhodes from last week. Oh, uh, Winnie the Pooh's Home Run Derby. Yeah, how is that? It's hard. <laughs> it's, it's fucking hard. <laughs> Why is this game so hard? It's a stupid Winnie the Pooh Flash game. <laughs> it's 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 not even like hard in the traditional sense. It's hard. Like, okay, so first off. So basically, it's just it's just a it's a home run derby, obviously in the title. It's you play Wayne the Pooh, and you are swinging a bat, and you are hitting balls, hitting baseballs that are pitched at you from different Wayne the Pooh characters. Uh, I believe the first one is Eeyore. Okay. Is the first pitcher. So he pitches the ball at you, right? Right. And so first off, I was playing on a touchpad, which was uh, pri- first mistake. Rookie's mistake. First mistake. So sometimes, because of the fucking MacBook touchpad, sometimes it just wouldn't uh, acknowledge the click. I think because I wasn't pushing down, I wasn't doing like right. the force click onto it. But so, y- you your cursor basically is this orb, like in the middle midpoint of Winnie the Pooh's bat, that you have to position him so you can basically you have like a limited range of motion to like position him like. 
on the X and Y axis around the plate. Right, on account of his uh, heavy set figure. Yes. <laughs> He's a porker. And he um and so what you want to do is you want to get closer to the the tip of the bat cuz cuz we play video games you don't understand how baseball works. <laughs> and you want him to hit a home run. The game only accepts home runs. <laughs> Does not accept like good hits. You have to get it outside the play area in order to f- it to count as a point. Wow. And you have like an assign a designated you basically have a par where it's like you need to get you're playing against ER. You need to he's going to pitch at you 10 times. You Imagine need, you're you need like to get 3 home runs out of the 10 pitches he he throws to you. Imagine you go to the diamond and before the game they're like, "Hey everybody, check this out." And like a really fat bear goes up to the plate. And then a donkey walks up to the pitcher's mound, mascot, throws a ball, and this bear hits the ball, and it like soars over, and it lands in the outfield, and they're like, "Whoops, gotta go again." <laughs> Sorry, bear, you suck. And then just like one of them, he just cracks it so hard it just flies out of the stadium and then into the parking lot. One point. <laughs> Terry McGuire retired. And he donned away the Pooh costume. Yeah, it's really hard, and it does, and that's and that's the first pitcher, and then you play against a heffalump, and then you play against what's Piglet. a heffalump? A heffalump, and woozles. What heffalumps and woozles? The doozles. You don't remember that? No. It's imaginary. A heffalump is an imaginary elephant, and a woozle is an imaginary weasel. Okay. Heffalumps and woozles. There's a whole song about them. Where, where, where Wayne the Pooh's afraid that the heffalumps and woozles are going to steal his honey because Tigger comes over and Tigger's like, they're going to steal your honey. But Winnie the Pooh's a uh, figment of Christopher but he, but Nolan's he... imagination. <laughs> <laughs> That's a movie I would pay to see. Bomb. <laughs> Bomb. Oh, bother. Bomb. So, I mean, this is like Inception, but with imaginary friends. But, but but Winnie the Pooh has a physical form. What? Yeah, he's a teddy bear. Oh. Like, he's he's real. Like a Calvin and Hobbes situation. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Except Christopher Robin's more or less insane than Calvin? I'm not sure. <laughs> it's real, It's kind of hard to yeah. figure out. But yeah, I haven't gotten past Piglet. Um, But... but they keep saying like, okay, now you gotta get five home runs. Now you gotta get seven in a row. It's like you gotta. It's, it gets ridiculous, and they don't accept pop flies, and they don't accept uh, foul balls, and they don't accept just normal. Uh, just moving to a base. Have you checked out YouTube? Seen anybody? With- no, I haven't seen. I haven't seen the 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 uh, speed runs. Yeah, maybe it'll be for uh, summer games done quick this year. Maybe, maybe it will. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, Tyler, for <laughs> just putting this curse upon my house. And then this morning, I bought Phantom Dust, the, oh, old, yeah. the old Xbox game, because yeah. fan- I quote unquote bought because it's free, but they re-released a HD version of Phantom Dust for Xbox One and Windows. I haven't, I haven't touched it. Oh. Uh, but I played Fam Dust. It looked cool. When it came out. Um, 
Did you play it ever? No. So this is this was a very common tactic. This is a common trope of mine. I would go to the GameStop or the Game Crazy, which right. was my uh, local uh, Funko Land game connoisseur, EB the, Games, the electronics boutique, and I would be like, "I want a new game," and then the guy trying to offload his inventory looks at me with wild eyes is like let me suggest to you <laughs> phantom dust or let me suggest to you worms armageddon right and be like sweet now take it home and be like god damn it more so for worms fam dust was okay i never got very far uh through fam worms dust. sucks worms does suck <laughs> I don't know why there's all this fervor about worms. Apparently, the Worms 64 game is like I'm, sells I for a lot on eBay. Guarantee you, it sucks too. I'm more than certain it sucks, but it sells for a lot for some reason. Yeah. Every time somebody's like, "No, I know, I know, Worms sucks, but you got to try this one. This I'll one. Like, this this is the one." Like, Ugh. You know, this Worms. This is where Worms got really good. They're the, all the same fucking game. <laughs> The uh, but Phantom Dust was really weird. I remember buying it, taking it home, playing it, and being like, I don't, what the hell? Never have I been so weirdly intrigued by a, the way a game plays since Fantasy Star. I just, I, I, I didn't know. I didn't know what to think. Yeah, I didn't know what to think. Uh, but yeah, because it's like a, it's a JRPG, and there's like this. This underground society that lives in the subway tunnels. So it's got this very much like a, a metro or uh, fallout kind of vibe to it. But with all this Japanese aesthetic. And then you're yeah. you're fighting people with like magical psychic powers on like and like shitty apartment low rises and, and nice. shit like that. Or like crumbling highways. But then it's also a deck builder, and you have to assign your abilities in a deck before you go out. And then it's not like you draw the cards. Your cards are randomly just thrown out on the battlefield, and you have to run and pick them up. <laughs> and then you cast them. It's a weird game. It's kind of interesting. I'm intrigued to uh, pick it up again or try it out again and see how it holds up. What's that other Capcom game that's coming out on PC? Vanquish? Sega, but yes. Oh. Did did Platinum do it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. You said Capcom, right? Yeah, I thought that was before they left Capcom, like Clover or whatever. Uh Uh-uh. Well, that's cool. Or my... mm, I don't remember. um, You're you're 100% right. Okay. Cool. (laughs) Awesome. Yay! Uh, (laughs) Are you excited about that? I, I am kind of excited about that. Yeah. Because that was another game. Uh, I never I never saw Phantom Dust ever, but it sounds like the same kind of like I've I've always been tree intrigued by it. what did I just say? The Vanquish. Game? Vanquish. <laughs> Vanquish is much more action oriented. Yeah, but it has like that cool sliding mechanic, which yes. like at the time felt like, oh that's smart. <laughs> yeah. Knee enabled jetpacks. Yeah. Shooting out sliding i'm excited i always get that game that and alpha protocol mixed up in my head oh yeah i guess dark void you could also kind of get messed up dark void is like the rocketeer in the future right yeah well no in the past what it's like takes place in like the 60s or 70s or something well it's still future to rocketeer oh uh 
I think. Maybe it's World War II era. I don't know. Maybe it's just Rocketeer. <laughs> they couldn't afford the Rocketeer license, so they just made it. Uh, he goes into the Bermuda Triangle and ends up in an alternate dimension. Oh, wow. And there are survivors in there. There's yeah, that game always felt like a game that I should own, but never did. I feel like, who made that? I don't know. Isn't that like, isn't that Capcom? Let me look it up. Or, or Konami? Man, it's Sega. Because that game always had a uh, the Crimson Skies feel to it. Especially in the aerial combat. Right. Because you would fly and then you would hijack alien saucers. And you'd fly them around and shoot down people. Cool game. I never played it, but it always looked cool. Uh, uh, Capcom. Capcom. Published by Capcom. Developed by Airtight Games. Click on that. Click on Airtight Games. Okay. What'd they make? Uh, Quantum Conundrum. That puzzle game? I think so, yeah. That Portal-esque game? Yeah. Well, the, their first game was Dark Void. Oh, okay. So they Their next one was Quantum, Quantum Conundrum. And then, did they die? Uh, pixeled, Derp Bike, Soul Fjord, and Murdered Soul Suspect. Oh, they made Murdered? Yeah. Hmm. So. And Songs of the Fjord? Yeah. That wasn't, isn't that like that soul, like 70s, like soul groove? Beat them up? Uh, yes. Cool. <laughs> the game is designed to be a mixture of Norse mythology and 1970s funk. So there you go. Yeah. If you need if you need those in your life together. <laughs> um, I'm glad you brought up the Vanquish thing because I was going to bring it up. Oh, good. But then I decided not to because Sam didn't end up making it here. But Oh, bad. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not, it's not a big deal. But Yeah, Sam loves that game, doesn't he? He does. He does indeed. When we brought up the Bayonetta re-release, he was like, when's my Vanquish? <laughs> here it is. Unlocked frame rate. Nice. Unlocked resolution. I feel like that game needs that. Unlocked potential. I just don't know what that means. Like, I mean, I know what it means technically, but at the same time, it's like, why would you put that in the trailer? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I feel like the potential is still pretty firmly locked within the limits of your game space. <laughs> but I haven't played it yet, so. But no, yeah, that's always intrigued me. Dark Void's always intrigued me. Another game that always intrigued me was Gun Valkyrie uh-huh. for Xbox. Mm-hmm. It was a piece of crap. Got it recently. All well, the second stringer Xbox games are coming back. Voodoo Vince, <laughs> Phantom yes. Dust. Do you like Voodoo Vince? No, I never played it. Uh, it's just a it's just a collectathon platformer. All right, well, we'll do we'll do some some news stories. We'll do some shorter ones. I got this long one, but we can we can wait on that. All right. What if I told you that the people that made Parappa the Rapper and Guitaro Man were making a game. I was like way psyched for this, but then I learned it was like a Kickstarter thing and that oh, kind of yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's back, baby. Yeah. Kickstarter games are back. It's pretty disappointing, I guess. I don't know. I feel like Kickstarter is just uh, come on. So what if I told you that they made stretch goals for their Kickstarter, one of which oh, was yeah. for a Switch version. I thought that was kind of funny. Price and then they were like, no, wait, never million, mind. Five million dollars. Yeah, good. 
that's smart of them because they know that like all these new Nintendo fanboys are like, gotta have it. But no, I think think that's silly. And then they pulled it down. They're like, oh, sorry. Well, not the Kickstarter, but like their stretch goals. They're like, we need to reassess. Yeah. And then they put it back up for a million It's just so dumb because like all of Kickstarter is just like schlocky marketing. You know what I mean? So when people were like, it wouldn't cost $5 million to get it on the Switch. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, like this, this isn't the number they're asking for isn't the number that's going to be the cost of the game. Like, like none of this is real. <laughs> like, well, also because they have external funding. Right. You're kidding yourself. If you think like any of Kickstarter's anything is like this stretch goal will allow us to buy. No, no, no they, you, you just want more money. So you're like marketing different things. So I just thought it was funny because it was like kind of like a clarity moment where maybe people realize that Kickstarter is just all bullshit. Uh, I want to see where the uh, Kickstarter is right now. It looks kind of cool. Doesn't look as cool as Parappa the Rapper or Guitaro Man though. I never. I'm not familiar with Guitaro Man. I'm familiar with Parappa. And what's the other one? Um, Jammer Lamy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, th- I always thought that both of those games were like stylistically super duper good. And this kind of looks like it looks cool, but it doesn't look like stylistically that interesting. The uh, Kickstarter is currently at uh, 144,000 out of 1.1 million. It's got 30 days to go. Uh, doesn't seem like good kick kicktrack.com. Uh, Cause kick track has a really good, uh, system uh-huh. for projections oh really yeah so the 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 common knowledge of it is that you want to make most of your money in like the first couple days yeah because that's where all your steam is um otherwise you're probably not going to hit your goal right so it looks like it's flattened out from like when it started now this is in this is in british pounds so it's currently at 111,000 and kick track projects it to go to 670,000. So wow. that's more than I would think. 78% of goal. Well, that's currently. So right. we'll we'll see how it how it goes. I feel it, like like I can't like it says a lot cuz uh Parappa the Rapper was one of my favorite games from its generation and like I don't remember that dude's name. The developer? But, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't but like the what I'm the point I'm making is like even though like I like his work way more than I like like KG and Afune's work, mm-hmm. uh, the popularity of KG and Afune is like he's got so much many more popularity dollars that he can cash in on cash them in. Even though it seems like I mean like you know like Parappa the Rapper and like uh, like Katamari and stuff like that. They have like these huge rabid fan bases, but they're like nothing compared to like Mega Man. Right. Well, also, if this Kickstarter came out before the Mighty Number no. Nine right release, yeah, I think it would be a different story. Well, I mean, even with like Tim Schafer, like he kind of represents like almost an entire genre. You know what I mean? Of game or of Kickstarter? Of kick of game. Okay. <laughs> the uh, and I think and you see a lot of that. I think Fig has kind of like yeah diverted a lot of the the game crowd funding mm-hmm. but also i think it's a combination of a lot of 
well-publicized Kickstarters didn't do well. Right. Um, or they didn't, you know, there's like the Yogg cast Kickstarter, which just never made the game. Yeah. Uh, there's the, the Mighty Number no. 9 Kickstarter, which Mighty Number no. 9 turned out to be flawed. Right. Not well-received. And also there's the Red Ash yeah. Kickstarter, which didn't succeed, which was basically uh, uh, the the Mega Man Legends to yeah. Mega Man of Mighty Number no. 9. And so I just think people have wisened up about game Kickstarters and just yeah. the fact that they like stumbled the, the, the project rap rabbit rabbit Kickstarter stumbled, which is the name of, of this one. The, the, the guitar man, uh, proper, the rapper spiritual successor. I think that they stumbled with saying, this is our stretch goal. Oh wait, you guys didn't respond well to that stretch goal. Here's right. our new stretch goal. Also, we pulled out some of our other sh- stretch goals. So, like, there's no longer an Xbox One stretch goal currently. Right. Like, you have to come out swinging. You have to, like, your messaging has to be pristine. Yeah. If, uh, very much so at this point. Maybe Kickstarter messaging wasn't pristine at a couple of years ago. Well, here's what they should say. They should say, look, Kickstarter, this is essentially just for pre-orders. This is pre-ordering in the 21st century. Uh, so there's no stretch goals. Stretch goals are ridiculous. We're just going to make the game. If we get more money, that means you paid more money for the game. Which I like because Cards Against Humanity does that right. for everything they make. Yeah. They're like, you have there's one tier. Yeah. Pre-order the game. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, I don't know comparatively if that does better, but it feels more honest. Yeah. Because a lot of Kickstarters also fail because they have to fund all these rewards. Right. And so it's like, oh, here's your maquette figure and your poster and your and your steel case version. It's ridiculous. And then they burn through all their capital doing that. Right. Which I've read of Kickstarters doing that before, and it's like, ugh, you you need to plan better for that. <laughs> or like, it's sometimes it's not even that they need to plan better; it's that they they the economies of scale outreach them. Like I've seen board game ones where they expected these many people to yeah. fund the Kickstarter, uh-huh. but then there's like five times as many more end up funding it. So they're like, Oh, we didn't plan to have to make this many, five times as many cloth maps or five times as many. Right. So, so it's probably not going to succeed, which stinks because I would love to see, cause the concept sounds awesome. Yeah. They're, they're putting more of the rap battle vibe into mm-hmm. it. Um, and, and reworking those mechanics because rapper, the rapper needs it. Cause I played that, remaster demo uh-huh. on ps4 and it does not play well it is, i'm a master parappa i'm i'm not i i got blasted by parappa the master the <laughs> nice freestyle thanks <laughs> kick punch it's all in the mind the um so i would love to see that i yeah. think it's really cool i think that this game has a lot of potential but obviously they have other funding coming from elsewhere but the other funding must have gave them some sort of ultimatum like do right. a Kickstarter and we'll see how much excitement there is for this. And if you meet in Kickstarter, then we'll give you the money. Yeah. So if this Kickstarter fails, then they're not going to get the money. Well, they might not get the money or they might not be all able these, to. All these old game developers, they need to learn how to do indie games. <laughs> no, we need to make the games at the scale we're used to. Right. That'd be cool though. See like a super shoestring budget bootstrap. Yeah. I think it would be cooler because like that's kind of the charm of that game was just like how 
lo-fi but punchy the colors were you know what i mean well i wish the best for them yeah. even though they've kind of uh burned a couple bridges starting yeah. out all right well i got one more story you want to talk about valve uh what's valve up to uh nothing new this is more of a uh an op-ed than it oh is like the a good guy valve op-ed yeah 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 I read that and it was like, I mean, I have a lot to say about Valve that isn't super like, Valve is great, but like that op-ed seemed like very weirdly unprofessional. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a, it was a, it was a submitted piece. It wasn't like, right. it wasn't like Polygon staff. Yeah. I agree. Some, some parts seem kind of very, very crass. Yeah. But I think that was the tone he wanted to take right. to kind of get his message across. So basically it was an op-ed talking about like how the good guy valve persona like people there's a lot of uh social equity that right. valve has built up over the years which this person say is misplaced because they're basically monopoly and they also they they skirt around all of these kind of legal things mm-hmm. like uh in Europe or the UK there's a requirement that you need to offer refunds for your product and valve didn't offer them for years and they were using all these loopholes to get through that yeah. and they're a private company and they still have requirements that they have to meet from the security and exchange commission, right. but not the same kind of requirements that like a public facing company is. So like they don't have to give out financial statements or, you know, do that. Gabe Newell and whoever else owns the equity in valve, they're basically the, the captain of that ship and they get to decide where it goes. There's no yeah. stockholders. There's no board of directors that they have right. to answer to. Um, but it was very interesting. Cause like, you know, I've heard what you've said about, about valve in the past and 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 you have your opinions about valve and i still uh or i mean steam more specifically steam not valve for everything but steam i still really like steam yeah as my marketplace like you know i had to download phantom dust from the windows store and i was kind of like why can't it be on steam but more so for like the convenience Uh but this article was kind of arguing like we're sacrificing we are sacrificing kind of like our independence or, right. or our voices for uh, convenience. Right. I thought that was interesting. Or so, like, or like how steam was a requirement for uh, in order to get half-life two, you had to download steam. Right. That was the only way to get half-life two. Yeah. So they, it, yeah, it really is just like a weird double standard we have with like things like origin and stuff. So like when I'm so so like if if a band I like puts out an album there's like an 100% chance I'll get that album. And so I'll go to Bandcamp. And if it's not on Bandcamp, that percentage drops to like 50%. And then if it's not like available on like a few other like I, I like um bleep.com has is like a good music store for like electronic music. I uh-huh. use that a lot. If it's not on there, it goes down like maybe 25% chance. Like at this point, like I'm probably just going to like move on, but like maybe I'll give it another shot. And if there's like a, you know, if it's on Google play, maybe I'll wish list it or something. But like, if your music's only on iTunes, then like, I'm not going to buy it. Cause like, I don't use iTunes. So like I'm not interested. Right. And it's starting to become that way with games too, where it's like, if somebody like, if I see somebody's come out with a cool game, I'm like, oh, let's go buy this. And I'd go to Ish. 
if it's not on itch i'm like well let's try and go to their site and if it's not like on like a humble like a or gog or something. yeah or like just something somewhere so i can buy it and get it basically congregate i'm like so at this point though like i'll still buy games off of steam every once in a while but it's not like i don't go to steam to buy games anymore right yeah i mean i still buy a majority of my games or or through humble and i'll get right. the steam key uh what really frustrated me about that article not what the person wrote but like kind of what he brought to light something that kind of has been in the back of my head like i do get frustrated by valve's uh relationships both with developers and customers right like it it very much seems like they're doing the bare minimum in a lot of ways you know we've talked about their curation or like their their support staff or things like that right but even stuff like I get really frustrated that sales data that you get for your game, you're not allowed to publish. You're not allowed right. to talk about. Like if you want to talk about sales data for your game, you basically have to concatenate all of the platforms that you sold your game on right? and not specify, all right, these were the number of <laughs> units I sold on Steam or these yeah. are the numbers, number of units I sold on Humble. And from a certain perspective, I understand why. Right. Because isn't it, it's like some sort of protection, quote unquote, for like someone could derive how much another game is making based off your your sales. Right. And they don't want that. There might be some sort of legal quagmire that I'm not super clear on for that. But that annoys me. That annoys me as someone that wants to be very open. Right. About my development process and about like my business And also well informed. Yeah. Like. Yeah, like it's like it's almost like they want people to stay in the dark. Right. Like Sam was talking about this last week and in a different way. He was talking about like how for development, people are still mainly ignorant and it helps people enjoy games from a certain perspective. So that's where ignorance can kind of be a good thing. But this is kind of like that evil ignorance that I was kind of hinting at where it's like we want people to stay uninformed and ignorant because it allows us to take advantage of them. Right. Or get one over on them yeah but yeah being someone that's like if i release a game for sale on a bunch of different platforms and marketplaces i want to be able to say have my uh what's it called post-mortem yeah and be like all right these are a number of units we sold etc cetera, etc cetera. what can we right. learn from this because i think that benefits not only me but someone else yeah um and valve's making that harder yeah for no obvious benefit to anyone except maybe their own right yeah I'm, you know, i don't like the way they do things i don't like the way you do things yeah valve now yeah. you will you're doing fine you're, you're doing <laughs> i don't like the way sometimes i do things <laughs> <laughs> just don't talk to people keep them uninformed keep them in the dark all right william it's that time it's that time again we're shut it down shutting it down we're shut it down but first announcement uh, last week, I recorded an episode with Mason and Dan that will be going up next week on Wednesday the 24th, if all goes according to plan, and I release this episode that you're currently listening to <laughs> before that date. But uh, we did a uh, talk with Sean Patton, who is the senior designer at Shell Games and working on I Expect You to Die, which is their VR kind of spy thriller James Bond yeah, escape room game and he had a lot of cool things to say i asked him about toontown 
uh-huh. because he worked on the Toontown Disney MMO when he interned as an Imagineer when he was getting his master's at Carnegie Mellon. So tune in for that. Sounds pretty exciting. But yeah, so Dan had a lot of cool stuff to talk to him about um, since Dan works in VR and he was curious mm-hmm. about Shell's VR. But uh, Corollary, I played I Expect You to Die uh, because we wanted to be able to talk more about it. Right. And uh, it's really good. It's a lot of fun. I only played the first level. Uh, they have an intro scene that's basically a James Bond opening credit sequence. <laughs> but you're just sitting there like in a moving platform and you're just watching credits and stuff move by. That's cool. And it's all in like this very flat color silhouette look. And they have a whole musical number that they wrote for it and everything. Dang. Kind of feels kind of like uh, the, the end credits of um, Super Smash Brothers Melee where you're shooting the, yeah, yeah. the credits. Yeah kind of like that because they're all like moving from you and you have to kind of like look around and swivel your head and watch everything what do you um play it on uh it's on it's on all the major vrs so vive oculus and playstation vr we played the vive version which came out like literally a week before nice (laughs) we we sat down and talked to him cool yeah it's a lot of fun really like it he has a lot of smart things to say awesome so tune into that i can't wait you shouldn't. But I guess I have to. But you have to. <laughs> Until next time, Will. Goodbye. See ya.